Welcome to the Sleeper in the Bus. I am just Mason. Jason Collette is on vacation enjoying that 4th of July, so I had to bring in some ringers. I had to bring in some talent. I had to bring in some friends. I brought in Matthew Davis and Bubba Entrekin. Bubba, how you doing? Welcome to the show. I am doing great. Thanks for having me, Mr. Justin Mason. It's going to be great to chat with you fellas. A little baseball as we have some action to talk about. It's going to be good times. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. It's been too long. I have not had you on this pod yet, and that was a mistake. Also a mistake, not bringing on Matthew Davis, the new arrival to FTN Sports. Matt, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk baseball with two of my Barf League league mates. So thanks for having me. This is exciting. My first time on as well, and I'm super stoked to be talking with both of you. Yeah, it's, uh, this is going to be a fun episode. We're going to do bold predictions. Uh, if we've got some time, we're going to answer some listener questions that I threw out on Twitter yesterday, though, like of the 70-something questions that were given to us, they're all from one person. Like, it's all Dave. So uh, we'll see how many we get to, uh, but we'll do that. But first, let's talk about the Barf League. Uh, how are you guys feeling about your teams? Because, Matt, we've got some pretty high stakes in that in that league. Yeah, so I, I did want to announce on the podcast that I've decided to go with the Justin Mason Rotoware caricature of Shut Up Mason with a duct tape around your mouth. Mm, if I yes. if I did fall behind you and barf and finish behind you. Um, but I, I'm not that stoked about my team. Uh, essentially, it was my first OBP league, and I went ahead and drafted Aaron Judge, which I'm really low on, regardless of format at this point. And then I also went with a couple of Rockies pitchers that I'm high on or was high on in Herman Marquez and John Gray. But I don't think that uh, they're going to bode so well this year, and I've got a lot of uh, fat to trim right away. So I'm looking forward to getting into the fab there in Barf and making some, some changes pretty quickly. Yeah, I I thought I had John Gray on my team. You sure you got John Gray on yours? Oh, do you? I thought I had Gray and Marquez. No, no, I'm pr- pretty and sure. Now we, now we know who has too many teams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm pretty sure I've got John Gray in the league, okay. which, uh, you know, I, he was probably going to be one of my first drops now with the new season. Uh, you know, I've made it pretty clear I do not want to deal with the headache that is Rockies pitchers in a short season. I just, I don't know when I'd feel comfortable using him, considering he was better at home last year especially. It's like, okay, do I really want to start John Gray and ruin my season this week? Um, so, yeah, I'm probably not going to be starting a lot of John Gray. I, I think you're all right, um, you know, because uh, don't forget, I drafted Luis Severino in this league. Uh, and I also have Aaron Nola as my other ace. So, and which unfortunately he has gotten COVID. Uh, so my team is just pretty much effed from the get go. Uh, but we're on, we're on a loving playing field, my friend. We drafted at the same time. The circumstances have changed for both of us. So, um, you know, it's play ball. A lot of people are being kind of pessimistic towards the uncertainties, which is understandable, but we're, we're all playing under the same uh, same rules and guidelines, so let's have fun with it and see where it goes. Here, Here's what I'm going to do, though. Rob Silver said I should give you an out. Here's your out. Take it. We don't have to do the bet. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. How about, okay, how about how about this, then? Since it was a, a, a random a random 60-game season and everything happened, how about we do make this bet but put it on hold for 2021? Sounds great. 
Okay. All right. That that that'll make my wife feel a lot better as well. She wasn't too happy about all of that. <laughs> what? So Brandy, she has to wait Brandy, a year makes it better. Yeah. My, my wife. My wife asked me, "What the fuck are you doing?" And he has nothing to lose. You're an idiot. Yeah. Exactly. I like people are like, "What? Why? Why would you guys make this bet?" I'm like, "This. I wouldn't even call it a bet necessarily. Matt was just talking trash on Twitter, and now he's you know faced with the proposition of putting my you know cartoon face on his ass." <laughs> yeah, Matt. Matt I, I uh, will Matt, say, you know, Matt Nino shared a few too many uh, IPAs, and uh, he got a little cocky back there. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. I uh, get too courageous once I catch a buzz, so I need to learn how to keep my mouth shut once that happens. <laughs> Alright, that's all I wanted to cover with the Barf League, so uh, it. <laughs> I wanted to give you a chance to, to, to get off the hook a little bit, but also... Thank you, Rob. Yeah, hold your feet Appreciate to the fi fire you. as well, so 2021, we'll, we'll definitely, that'll give the day a little bit even, you know, a little bit more pressure, that'll be fun. And there'll be 20 more t-shirts for me to pick from, so it's cool. Oh, yeah, exactly. All right. So, uh, and yeah, I always want to thank the dude, the, or well, the dudes, the, the dude, Kevin, uh, or Kevin, Kenny, over at, uh, over at Rotoware. Dude makes amazing shirts, uh, and I have no reason, I have no idea why he puts my face on them, but he does, and they're awesome. All right, let's, uh, let's jump into some bold predictions. I'm sure Paul and I will cover all the news and notes, uh, but really they're just sad and depressing right now, uh, and I don't want to deal with them. Uh, so we'll deal with that on Tuesday when I talk to Paul. Uh, let's start with uh, bold predictions. Bubba, why don't you give us your first bold prediction for the year? Uh, some may find it bold. Some might find it realistic. But uh, I'm just going to go out there. I've been against Pete Alonzo all season. And I'm going to say uh, Pete Alonzo will not be a top 10 first baseman by the end of a 60-game season. So um, when you look at his numbers last year, the regression that took place in the second half, the power was still there. But he's relying on a over 38% home run to fly ball rate, which is uh, almost impossible to maintain unless he's continued his crush baseballs, especially when you have a ground ball rate of almost 41%. So 28% fly ball rate, 38% of those fly balls going out of the ballpark is pretty darn impressive. And when you look at the second half of his season, um, he started getting really, really uh, losing a lot of discipline at the plate. His O swing just went through the roof, and so does his strikeout rate. It followed with it. So pitchers started to figure out, hey, let's not throw this big, muscular man a fastball at all times, and let's make him actually pay attention at the plate. So, um, and, and Alonzo did not answer the bell that well. So if he's not putting the ball to the ballpark, the average will hurt you tremendously. He's going way too early in drafts. Pete Alonzo will not be a top 10 fantasy baseball first baseman in 2020. How do you feel like about it. that, Matt? Yeah, that's solid. Uh, he went in the second round of the second chance draft champions with uh, Mike Masato, and uh, he went pick two thirteen. And that's simply too early, uh, too early for me with his range of outcomes. Bubba expressed the volatility that he provides, and with this shortened season, we don't have the marathon that we're used to. And Alonzo is definitely too volatile for me, especially in the second or third round. There's just not much room for profit there, so I'm I'm on board with that. I actually am too. I was gonna pick that one, <laughs> so uh, I'm right there with you. It's a, it's a good thing I did about seven or eight uh, real quick right before we started, so that way I had, I had some backups because I, I think uh, you guys uh, and I will uh, be on si similar wavelengths with some of them. I think some of them obviously. Uh, uh, Matt especially is going to hate when I start talking trash about the Dodgers. Um, <laughs> but go ahead, Matt. Why don't, why don't you give me your first one? 
Uh, I'm going to skip ahead. Let's keep poo-pooing on New York. I'm going to go with Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton do not finish inside the top 30 in outfield uh, rotisserie value. Uh, There's guys that are going before them that I like more. There's guys going after that I like uh, way more than them. Um, For example, going around the same area, Aloy, Aloy Jimenez, Nick Castellanos. Going later would be Kyle Schwarber. Um, it's just, it's, there's too much health concerns. There's the COVID concerns. I I just, they're still going too early. They went in the fifth and sixth round of the draft that I'm currently in. Um, I, I just don't have the faith and confidence in either of those guys in this type of format. And there are a lot of guys that can provide you the home runs and RBIs that keep popping out to everyone that finds, that finds them to be sexy. So, um, give me guys going later, like Kyle Schwarber. Um, and then also on top of that, I'll give you one more bold for those two New York guys. Reese Hoskins will out-earn both of them. Yes. Whoa, okay. I mean, I think the Reese Hoskins part is the bolder bolder portion of that. Um, you know, I, I, I actually yelled at my co-host, uh, Mike Warner, on the Friends Fantasy Benefits podcast because he ranked uh, Hoskins as his, in the top five of his first baseman. And it's like... Yeah. I, that's that seems insane to me. I have a number seven for me. Wow. I I mean, like I I I mean the question I pose to him is, uh, you know, obviously small sample anything can happen, right? We've seen guys in sixty game samples go crazy. We've seen elite players do nothing in sixty game samples. Uh, so but that that caveat aside, like what in your mind? Or what have you seen that thinks that Reese Hoskins just isn't what he is? Because, I mean, he's a guy with high OBP, which is great in OBP leagues, but we play mostly Roto, or mostly average in Roto. Uh, he's a guy who's just going to weigh you down in batting average and hit bombs. Like, and I don't mind that, but I, I don't know that he's ever going to have the batting average to push him up into the top, you know, five to seven. So you mentioned the positive on his plate discipline. Um, along with him absolutely murdering people by volume, hitting third or fourth in that lineup, uh, stacked Phillies lineup. Uh, health hasn't been an issue. We saw videos this spring of him lowering his hands, which is going to get him quicker through the zone. He basically looked like a clone of Justin Turner in the box. Uh, we saw what happened when Justin Turner made those adjustments, lowering his hands as well. Not saying that Reese Hoskins will have anywhere near the contact or average that Justin Turner has, but... Um, it looks like they're looking to make those adjustments, possibly not preaching to him that you need to not pull the ball, you know, cause he pulls the ball quite a bit, um, and just let him do what he's good at. And if he can get quicker through the zone, maybe his con- contact goes up with his, his good plate discipline along with that, the behemoth of power that he has and hitting alongside Bryce Harper. Um, those are, those are some of the reasons why I do like Reese Hoskins. You know, I'm hundred percent on board. I'm hundred percent on board with what Matt, you just said there. That was kind of. My angle, looking into him this offseason, the changes he made at the plate to improve his overall contact uh, ability, which will help his batting average, of course. The power is legit. That's not going anywhere. Um, I just look at him as a guy that we've seen burst onto the scene and have short stretches that are phenomenal. And you look at where like guys like Pete Alonzo, and I love Matt Olson, don't get me wrong, but tell me why Reese Hoskins can't be one of those guys and where he's going in drafts. That's why I move uh, Reese Hoskins up, because I think he has that ability. It just takes, you know, turning a... I know he was 226 last year, but last year was just a mess of a season for him. Say he's a 250 to 260 hitter. This change in approach, maybe he approaches 270. That's a game changer for a guy at first base, the way that position stands right now. Yeah. I I mean, I think he could be Matt Olson-esque 
But uh, ooh, man, I, I I just at this point I think he is who he is, and I think he's a guy who's gonna uh, strike out, and I think he's a guy that is not gonna offer a ton of batting average. I just don't know. I'm though where he's going right now is is a deal, and, yeah. and that that's the point that that's the part that I go I can buy in on you know some of this you know hype because the hype hasn't pushed him up you know super high yet. Yeah, about 100 picks after Pete Alonzo says uh, some pretty nice things to me. Yeah, and he's that's only 27. Huge. He's only 27. Like things can change still. So, well, yeah. Also, and- better park factor than than Matt Olson as well. Mm-hmm. Much better. Yep, for sure. All right, let's. Uh, uh, which one am I gonna go with first? Do I do I start just like firing out the gates? Um, yes, yes. Don't hold back. Uh, all right, yeah, let, let's go. Mookie Betts is not going to finish as a top 20 outfielder this season. Wow. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, is he going to break his, tear his Achilles or what? No, no, and I mean, it, maybe this is hyperbolic and I should have said top 10, uh, but top 20 just sounds more fun. And obviously there's some variance involved because I think over the course of a, a full season, he would probably be very, very good. Uh, I just, to me, this is more about the craziness of people drafting him in the top four picks, which I've seen people do over and over and over again. And I want to say in a draft right after like the, the live draft started back up on NFBC, he went first overall, uh, which to me is absolutely insane. Love Mookie Betts. Thinks he is a premium player. It's a fantastic position to be in in LA, which is, you know, one of the best lineups in baseball. Uh, here's the parts that scare me. He's never played in the National League. He hasn't seen a lot of these pitchers. The Dodgers aren't a team that run a huge amount. And what if he decides, or what if the Dodgers decides, hey, this is a shortened season. We only have you for these 60 games because you're going to become a free agent after this. Uh, Why are we going to risk injury? Why are we going to risk you on the base, base paths? And I think the I think people are thinking, oh, he's just gonna ball out. He's got all this motivation. He's got sixty games to get paid. Dude is getting paid no matter fucking what. And if you think a guy like Mookie Betts is one of those guys that dogs it at any point, I mean, he bowls three hundreds as a hobby. It's a hobby for him, and he is like a professional, you know, bowler. Like this is this dude has always, you know, the pedal to the metal. Uh, I don't think that changes now. I just worry about switching to a new team, new park, new environment, new pitchers that he's never seen before, uh, and that he could, uh, that that the numbers will be a little bit suppressed because of that. Uh, so people taking Mookie Betts in the first round, you know what, good luck. Not going to be on my team. I'm going to go a different direction. Uh, but yeah, Mookie Betts is not a top 20 outfielder. Man, so I'm taking first. it. Taking it. You wouldn't take bets over Trout. Uh, ooh, well, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Justin. Um, so to, to 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 use your counterpoint on bowling, you know, Mookie bowling a couple three hundreds here and there, very impressive. Those games were also bowled on different lanes with different oil. I'm not sure how much of a bowler <laughs> knowledge you have. I'm not. So, I, is that I really a thing? <laughs> Are you? Yeah, like- oh, absolutely. Lanes are dry, the ball will hook more. Lanes are wet. You know, they don't break as much. So 
Um, same with pitching and Mookie Betts is going to do what Mookie Betts does. And then the thing that pushes me up to having Mookie Betts at number two behind Ronald Acuna is simply because he is leading off now with a DH and the Dodgers do, we can project or on paper, say what you want. They have the best offense in all of baseball. When, when you're leading off with the DH, the amount of plate appearances that Mookie is going to accumulate in that offense is going to be extreme. And the value of that alone, even though it's not 162 games, is still going to, you know, be heavily weighted at the end of the season. So I just it, there's not a lot of volatility with them. I, I don't believe they're just going to tell them not to run whatsoever. They're going to want to use what they have out of them. They gave up a decent amount to get them. And I, Mookie's obviously always motivated regardless of a contract and he's going to get paid like you said, but I, I just, I, it would be, it'd be really fucking difficult for him to finish outside of the top 10 and, and, and you said top 20. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. I, I, I know, but it, I thought I'd start off the show with a, a little bit of ribbing and, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, do I think, yeah, I think he's going to finish in top side of the top 10 outfielders, but I also don't think people should be taking him the top five picks or top ten picks. Like I, I think he's a second rounder, which is is great. Like the top three rounds in a fifteen team league are still stacked with talent. I'm about to make my third pick. Uh, I'm on deck to make my third pick in uh, uh, another draft, an MEQ, um, and I I get to choose between uh, Austin Meadows and Matt Olson. Like, Who did I, you start with? I started uh, Lindor and then went JD Martinez. Ooh, so Ooh. Yeah, no. I go Meadows. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Me- Me- I like Yeah, Meadows is is at the top of my list, but uh, um, if I have to settle for Matt Olson, I think I'll be okay. <laughs> All right, Bubba, give <laughs> me your second one. Go six rounds later with Reese Hoskins. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, my my second one, I'm gonna do what everyone wants to talk about: relief pitching, because that's what's so much fun. But um, this guy saved 39 games in 2017 when his counterpart was a setup man for him. I have Corey Knievel earning more saves than Josh Hader this season for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, in a shortened season when wins are even more important than ever, Josh Hader's gonna play that fireman like no one's business all over again. Plus, you throw in the um, a healthy Knievel. We know exactly how good he can be. Even before he got hurt in 2018, he had 16 saves. Um, ratios can be up and down, but in that elite 2017 season, a 178 ERA with a 297 FIP. He's been a strikeout monster uh, over 14 Ks per night in two straight years. Uh, Hater's great. Knievel's very, very good. The three-pitcher minimum is going to be tremendous as well because if Hater's out early and they throw Knievel, get their three big righties coming up, Knievel goes out there. We saw Hater kind of slip up a little at the end last year. I'm not saying he's done by any means. The guy's still an elite talent, but where they're getting drafted uh, so far in these these OCs that have come back, Hater's going around pick 46, Knievel's going around pick 260. If you can get a, a guy that's going to get you double-digit saves, which could be tremendous on a shortened season, I'm all for it. So don't sleep on Corey Knievel in your drafts because – I've done some 12-team drafts already, either mocks or reels, and he's not even getting drafted in some of them. So keep him in mind when you're drafting. All right, Matt, you want to handle this one or me? Uh, no, well, you know, <laughs> I, I actually really do like Josh Hader, and I have nothing negative to say about him, but there have been positive reports on Corey Knievel and the fact that they did mention, council mentioned that they aren't going to have Hader going on back-to-back days. That leaves opportunities for other guys in the bullpen to rack up saves. The Brewers are going to be a competitive team. Um, and we have seen Knievel's uh, success in the past. He's got a good pedigree. So, yeah, I, I don't mind that. But I 
really do like Josh Hader, so I don't want to knock that guy while, you know, bumping up Corey Kniebel. What about you, Mason? Yeah, I haven't seen these positive reports. The last thing I saw was in May that his uh, rehab from Tommy John had become stagnant and had yet to see any uh, face any live hitter. So unless something popped up in the last day. Da, da, da. It was actually this morning, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we still consider coming out of rehab. We're not going to push it, according to uh, uh, somebody. Um, yeah, I'm, um, I'm not... A big believer in Knable for this year. One, was is always his biggest issue? Command and control. What's the last thing to come back from Tommy John? Command and control. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I understand that I think in a perfect world for the Brewers, that they would use Josh Hader more in that kind of fireman role. I don't know that they've got the options to do that this year. Do you really want Knable uh, blowing games? Can they afford to not just put their best guy back there in a shortened season I, I don't know like Bubba said he's going super late so you can take the shot and see what happens because if you don't draft him or nobody drafts him he's going to go for $850 a fab if he gets exactly. two saves in the first week so I think it's definitely worth taking a shot on I just don't know how much I buy it and I'm I'm all on board on, on the hater hype uh, you know, and, and I'm not hating. I'm not hating on Hater. I want to clarify that real quickly. I just think the usage-wise and the draft pick uh, difference, Knable has a lot of validity there. Yeah, I mean, we're talking. He's approximately uh, what 14 months removed from Tommy John. Typically, you want to target guys who are like more like 18 months away from Tommy John. And uh, um, advancement technology, we're cool. (laughs) So so the report report I read this morning was that Knievel threw a live BP yesterday on July 4th, and the Brewers haven't planned like everybody else in the bullpen. They aren't babing him, but they are monitoring him, obviously, and he threw 15 pitches, and then Mm -hmm. in quotes looked really sharp. But the, a little the, bit of positive for that. The second part of that quote was, we're still considering him coming out of rehab, so we're not going to push it. Yeah, so. yeah, the won't be pushing him is definitely a thing. But He only needs 15 picks per, uh, pitches per save, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> if they're as electric as they say they are. Um, exactly. There we go. <laughs> All right, Matt, give me, give me your second one. So I'm going to keep, I'll stay into the closer report here and I'm going to go with Ken Giles leads the league in saves and Boom. finish as the number one RP in rotisserie value this year. I love it. Absolutely love it. I have Whatever Giles ever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I think people are a bit afraid that the, the Blue Jays could trade him to a team uh, where he won't be the closer. I think the Blue Jays may just go for this. You know, let, I, they're one of the ones that benefit from this season to have a chance for sure. Uh, and there, there is nobody in that bullpen to replace him. Absolutely nobody. If something happens to to Giles, they're going to be calling me to close games. Like that's that's how bad the rest of that bullpen is. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm all aboard the Giles. I took him in the seventh round of my uh, Friends of Fantasy Benefits MEQ. Uh, definitely is one of my top targets uh, for the main event. Uh, yeah, that that's my boy. So I, I love that that call. All right, what's your second one? Ooh, all right. Let's see. Um, here we go. This is one that won't surprise people because I ranked it this way. Madison Bumgarner not will not finish as a top forty starter. Uh, and for those who uh, ha- haven't listened to the episode yet with Paul and me, where I, I discuss where. 
Uh, I had Madison Bumgarner. It's low. It's outside the top 60 pitchers in my starting pitcher ranks. Um, Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you look at the numbers on him on the road, the Oracle Park, Petco, or not Petco, <laughs> um, Pac Bell Park, whatever you want to call it, uh, really covered a lot of the weaknesses. Now, I will say that he did look better last year locating within the zone, which has been his problem since that ATV accident. Uh, is having, uh, you know, he's always, he's been able to find the zone. He's just not been able to hit the glove uh, within it. That being said, man, you look at these projections for him uh, and they are absolutely petrifying. Steamer, 470 ERA. Depth charts, 454 ERA. ATC is like the most glowing on him. And they've got him with a 435 ERA and only eight strikeouts per nine. Uh, like where a guy like Bumgarner typically benefits in fantasy is he's a guy that you know you get 200 innings out of with decent ratios. If we're not getting the decent ratios and we're not getting the innings, how valuable is he? And I just think that uh, the fact that he's still going, you know, higher than a top 30, top 35 starting pitcher in most drafts is kind of insane. I, I, it's all name value. I don't want anything to do with him on my team. It, you, the the, the analysis was great, as always, but it sounds more like a lover's scorn to me than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Madison Bunker. Dude, uh, put him in the Hall of Fame now. Like, yes. when you look at the Mount Rushmore of Giants, uh, he's on it. You know, and that's saying something when you got, you know, you know, Mount Rushmore option. Yeah, like the Giants have an amazing, you know, pool of talent over the course of uh, Giants history, you know, but he's up there. Like no one will ever be able to duplicate what he did in that 2014 playoff run, especially in the World Series. Uh, that being said, he's had a lot of bullets thrown, you know, and shot during the course of his career with the Giants. I'm glad he got paid, but I'm just really glad we didn't pay him. Also, that K-rate. Yeah, the K-rate is just, you know, like, if he's going to be a a K-rate guy that, you know, I can deal with K-rate guys, like, under 9, you know, or even under 8 sometimes, but they need to be pristine everywhere else, like a Kyle Hendricks. I love Kyle Hendricks this year. This is, you know, this is probably going to be my first year where I draft Kyle Hendricks, but uh, everything else has got to be pristine, and that is just not the case for Bumgarner. All right, Bubba, give me your third bold prediction. This will kind of go in line with Maddie's uh, Giancarlo Aaron Judge uh, comments, and I agree with those 100%. I have Jorge Soler and Fran Mel Reyes. You can say either they outperform the Yankees duo, which I think is pretty simple for most of us, but I think those two battle it out for the AL home run crown this year. Uh, I think those two are just like people are just disrespecting Jorge Soler, and I can't understand it. He just hasn't been able to say healthy previous to last year. Played all 162 games last year, 48 bombs, 265 average. The hard hit rates, barrel rates were through the roof, which he's always had. That's been something he's been great at. So now he's just staying healthy in a shortened season. The guy that can potentially hit you 15 or more home runs would be huge. And then you got the Franamil who uh, shows up to camp in better shape. He was actually said he wanted to steal bags. He already had two steals in spring, which it's spring stats, but they were actually moving in the right direction. Um, both are going to hit you about 250 to 260. But the power is as legit as they come, and I think uh, they're both going to be up there towards the top this year. And people are still sleeping on a couple of these guys. Obviously, Fran Mill's uh, climbing the draft ranks, but Jorge Soler is not getting the love he deserves. Both of those guys will be competing for the AL home run crown this season. 
Uh, absolutely right. love that. I, I took Solaire uh, in my MEQ. Felt like I got a steal in like the eighth or ninth round, uh, wherever he landed for me. And uh, yeah, I, I don't understand why people are sleeping on Solaire. It just makes no sense. Uh, considering what he did, and what, especially what he did after July 24th, he was one of the best power hitters in baseball last year. So uh, I fully expect him to uh, be among the leads, uh, lead sluggers in, in Major League Baseball. Can I ask you guys a question about those two guys in regards to Reyes and Soler? Mm-hmm. I, uh, in the draft that I'm in right now, Gallo also went in the seventh round with all three going in the seventh round. If you had to choose one of those guys in that area, which one would you choose? Soler. Yeah, I go Soler. I have Soler as my 15th outfielder, Fran Mill as my 20th, and Gallo's actually 19th. So I go, uh, I have Soler, Gallo. For, they're all real close together. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I, lo- I love Gallo, but. The, the possibility that he could hit 210. Or buck 50? Yeah. He could, yeah. Be, he could be Adam Dunn, and we wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that, to me, is uh, a no-go, especially in the shortened season. So the, so the dude that pops for me is Kyle Schwarber, who's going two rounds later. Mm-hmm. That's the one I want. But, but I like them all. It's... I think Schwarber especially is helped by the DH coming to the National League. I've been a huge anti-Schwarber guy for a long time, um, and I think for the most part it's been proven outright that his defense costs him, especially when Madden was managing the game. With Madden gone, with the DH coming to the National League, Schwarber jumps up huge uh, in my personal ranks, and yeah, no, he's a guy that I'm definitely targeting. Well, and you also David Ross. Yeah, sorry. Go, Go, Matt. Go ahead, Bubba. Uh, David, David Ross is going to be a huge. David Ross is going to be a huge positive for them. He's kind of got that old school mantra, similar in the NBA, where DFS players absolutely love Tom Thibodeau because he gives those five six guys all the burn. He wants them to get their reps and wants them to stay in you know in their game game form. So David Ross already came out and basically mentioned that he's not going to be doing a carousel kind of like uh, Gabe Kapler. We know he's going to be doing that and he's going to be hitting a bunch of different dudes in all sorts of places and he doesn't want to, you know, build any stability. Whereas David Ross absolutely wants to have his set nine guys and then kind of rotate in on days off. So I think David Ross is going to be a very good positive factor for um, the offensive environment for the Cubs. It's also going to be big because they announced uh, Chris Bryant's going to lead off meeting Schwarber's made in the middle of that lineup to be able to drive in runs and really, really maximize that fantasy value. All right, so I'm going to go with Brendan Rodgers wins the National League Rookie of the Year. I drafted him in the 28th. <laughs> I drafted him in the 28th round, which would be not being drafted in a main event. So the draft capital is not there yet. Uh, he's one of the only few right-handed hitters. They have a plethora of left-handed hitting. So guys like Ryan McMahon and Daniel Murphy are going to be flipping at first base along with the DH there. Uh, the outfield isn't really set in stone outside of Charlie Blackman. I know people are getting excited about Sam Hilliard. People are talking about Ryan Tapia, and then people are trolling Matt Kemp. But nobody talks about Garrett, Garrett Hampson's volatility. They could put him in the outfield, whereas we know Brandon Rogers is most likely going to man second base every time a left-handed pitcher is starting. And then if he's able to do what he is projected to do... He's a good contact hitter. He has good plate discipline, and he has the power. Uh, so I see there there being one injury, one COVID health scare, which we don't want to p- profit off that type of thing. But um, I, the path to success for Brendan Rodgers isn't that deep, and if he does get that playing time, I believe that he will be the National League Rookie of the Year, and that is ahead of Gavin Lux. So, 
There you it says it. a lot coming from you. It does. Yeah. Um, I don't believe. And that's what it comes down to. Like I, health history. Uh, I mean that that small sample or the two or the yeah, the small sample of him in the majors was so disgusting. And uh, maybe I'm not you know leaning too enough on the uh, pedigree uh, as a top tier prospect. But I mean this is a guy that has done virtually nothing uh since 2018 and i just you know and that was in double a where he hit 12 or it uh, 17 home runs stole 12 bases uh not to mention the rockies hate young guys like mm-hmm. and like i i can understand people like you know I, i'm hyped i'm hyped on garrett hampson i really am and i'm and i totally am hyped uh, well not totally I, i'm a bit hyped on sam hilliard but like the idea that they're gonna you know go away from what they usually do, which is not give the new guy a chance, I don't know. I think there's a better chance that Matt Kemp is uh, fantasy viable uh, oh than uh, than Brendan Rodgers this year. Matt Kemp's handedness helps him because he's mm-hmm. a right-handed hitter as well. With Hilliard and McMahon and Murphy and Blackman and Dahl, so look at their left. bench. Look at their bench, and then Tapia's on the bench, and he's. Mm-hmm. Sure, he's whatever. He's spaghetti. He's garbage. Um, oh my god! Did you Bre- see the Bre- video? Rodgers is like their only right-handed stick outside of Matt Kemp that's significant. And I don't know, man. One injury, and he's inserted into that you know middle infield right away, in my opinion. So he could. yeah, I think that there's a chance that he could get it. I mean, hell, he might be on the bench all season, like you're saying. But yeah, Brandon Rodgers, rookie of the year in the National League. Wow. Bold predictions. That that is bold. I'm. I. I mean. I. I'm hey, always worried. Than Mookie fucking bets outside the top twenty. Okay. <laughs> you can't say it's not bold though. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. My next one. Um, all right. I'm. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna go with my boy. I don't know if you guys even had him as a thought. Uh, but I'm gonna say Jorge Mateo steals 15 bases. That is your boy. Um, And there were some people who were like, oh, no, he ended up in San Diego. That's like, that's an awful spot. Why? Why? Jerks and Profar, really? Yeah, (laughs) Jerks and Profar sucks. Like, like there is like, you know, still believing a little bit in prospect pedigree with a guy like Brandon uh, Brandon Rogers. But Jerks and Profar has had a large enough MLB sample to go, this guy is just not that good. You know, and it's probably the injuries that have sapped a lot of his pure talent. Uh, but uh, there's no reason to think that pure, uh, Profar is going to like bust out and be this amazing guy. And there's a lot of pressure in San Diego on that front office to win. Uh, and this is an opportunity for them to make a push. And, and maybe Preller gets another year there um, if... Uh, you know, because of COVID, they go, well, we'll give you one more shot. Maybe they don't. Maybe they say, this is your shot. Uh, and, you know, in that case, they're going to turn and burn that lineup until they find pieces at work. And, man, speed kills. Speed kills, and Mateo's got it. I mean, Mateo's got 90-grade speed. Like, it's literally off the charts. And uh, I think there's a real shot. He grabs that second-base job. He can also play other positions. He can play short. He can play in the outfield. Uh, so if, if there's injuries to Tatis, if there's injuries in that outfield uh, or just underperformance in that outfield, uh, there's a lot of paths to playing time. And he, no joke, could steal 15 in a month. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, Jorge Mateo, 15 stolen bases. Put it on the board. I love it. I love it a lot. Um, my number four, J.D. Martinez, 
battles for the triple crown this year. I uh, I think we see a bounce back Martinez on a shortened season. He could easily hit 340, 350, and that could be tremendous. Uh, if anything, if any take home from this J.D. Martinez take, you want to draft him. I'm moving him up my boards for the fact that he's going to be a monster in four categories. Like, if you can get stolen bases somewhere else, he's going to hit you a good amount of power, drive in runs, score runs, and hit for average. He's going to cover four roto categories that a lot of guys can't cover. Still not getting quite the respect I think he deserves in fantasy drafts when you look at uh, ADP and whatnot. But I have him as like my sixth outfielder off the board right now, and I kind of want to move him higher just for the fact of what he brings you. He's the eighth outfielder going in redrafts, so people are obviously catching on to that. But like I take him over Harper. It's hard for me to say over Soto, but it's a debate at least. But definitely over Harper. And you can start talking over Trout and others too. Maybe over Mookie Betts, Justin would take him. I don't know. But J.D. Martinez is a, a big candidate for a Triple Crown this year. Uh, Beautiful. I absolutely love it. Like I mentioned, just took him in the second round I, I, of my uh, MEQ that I'm in right now. Uh, I was taking him like at the turn, you know, one two turn in drafts uh, back in February and March. So like I, you, you are not going to hear anything from me negative about my boy JD Martinez. Uh, especially, you know, uh, I love the idea of having one of those top three picks because I think there's that chance you get him at the back end of the second round, and I, I'm to- totally down with that. That'd be a gift. Get him and Adalberto on the, the two, three turn, lock up your steals and everything else. Get it. So everybody likes to talk about all the power that can be provided. You can get power, you can get RBIs, you know, later in the draft or mid midway through the draft. But how many of those guys do provide that average mm-hmm. that JD Martinez does? And how many of them hit in the middle of the Boston Red Sox lineup? So I absolutely love JD Martinez this year. That's the type of skill set that I'm looking for when targeting hitting early on in drafts is that sort of stability that isn't going to crater in a short season. Uh, So I have J.D. Martinez ranked ahead of Austin Meadows and Mike Trout as of right now and everybody below that. So I'm I'm, I'm high on him as well. I I, I haven't put him over Trout yet, but uh, the only guys I have ahead of him is Acuna, Yellick, Betts, Bellinger, Trout, and Soto. Those are the only guys I have ahead of him, and I've debated the Trout move. My projections have Trout missing 10% of the season, and that's six games, so... Three days of, you know, days off for rest, three days with paternity leave, which is maybe even lowballing games missed. And that's six games. That's 10%. So with 10% missed, yeah, JD moves slightly ahead of Trout for me. Now, Bobby, you said top six outfielder? Yeah, I think it'd be a top six for sure. Maybe higher. All right. that That's great. Lo- love that one. Uh, Matt, go ahead and give me your next one. I'm excited about this one. Uh, Dylan Carlson was just drafted in the 14th round of the draft that I'm in, and Jake Fraley went in the 27th. I am going to go out on a limb and say Jake Fraley straight up out-earns Dylan Carlson this year, and they're being drafted significantly apart from each other. Wow. Yeah, Rob Rob Silver touched on Dylan Carlson the other day, and that also set off some blinking lights to me in regards to if the Cardinals do decide to sit him out for seven days, which I believe that they will, uh, they do have Bader and his speed and defense. They have Dexter Dexter Fowler's annoying contract, and he somehow finds his way into the lineup. And then they also have Tyler O'Neill, which, uh, shout out to Vlad Sedler, uh, it's T.O.N. season. So uh, I, I believe, like, if what if Tyler O'Neill gets off to a good start? What if Bader's doing what he does, stealing bases, playing good defense, and Dexter Fowler's making decent contact and getting on base? Then they could look at Carlson after seven uh, after the first week and say, "Hey, 
you're kind of just the guy that comes in on days off, and now you're the fourth outfielder. And if he becomes the fourth outfield option, and Jake Fraley does get all that playing time that they're saying he's going to get, and he finds himself hitting at the top of the lineup, then I, I don't even see that even being a competition. Yeah, um, man, that's that's a tough one. Uh, Bubba, you got a thoughts on it? I I, I don't. Uh, Fraley's not a. I, I like Fraley. I was taking him deep in best ball leagues. I'm 100 with you there. I just, A, don't trust the team from the Northwest a ton to make the right decisions there. They're almost as bad as the Rockies at times. And Carlson seems like the guy. I don't disagree with the stuff you were saying. I think Carlson just is going to have that clearer path to playing time and the production should be there with Fraley. I can see the Mets, or the Mariners doing all kinds of goofy things, and I'm not 100% there just yet. You know, I don't. Well, already mentioned that they're gonna give, uh, they're gonna give Fraley the burn, mm-hmm. and it's almost for me. It's if he gets to hit at the top, you know, they have Shedlong and J.P. Crawford, which they're not stapled into anything, in my opinion. And I think True. Jake Fraley is better. So um, if they're gonna if give I him the playing time, if I knew Fraley was gonna play the whole time. I was, I would agree a hundred percent with you. Yeah, I'm under the assumption that he is going to get the burn. So that's that's kind of why I put that notion out there. All right, so you, here's my only thing, and, and I'm kind of working on an article to kind of uh, dig more deeply into this. But uh, typically, you know, a guy who hits first versus a guy who hits seventh or eighth, you know, gets a ton more plate appearances. Now, in a shortened season, that obviously, you know, lessens because there's just going to be less overall plate appearances. However, I think it has even bigger impact because we're talking about if we're talking about the difference between 50 plate appearances between, you know, the first and the eighth spot uh, like that, that's going to be huge in leagues that are going to be decided by, you know, two runs or a home run or two, uh, you know, by a few points of batting average. And I just don't see the Mariners leading off with Jake Fraley or even, uh, putting him at the top of the lineup. I, I think that uh, the fact that he is got a project he's projected to have a sub uh, 300 OBP by most projection systems is very, very scary. Uh, I mean, you know, in AAA last year, now only 168 plate appearances, six and a half percent walk rate. Uh, you know, guys sometimes tend to struggle uh, with their walk rates and striking out too much, which we saw in the tiny, tiny sample uh, of him at the majors last year. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see similar issues with Fraley carrying over. I think they're going to give him burn because why the hell not? Like if you've got a guy like Fraley, if you got like a guy like Kyle Lewis, this is the time for the Mariners to figure out like what they have in them before they start bringing up some of these top prospects in guys like uh, Kalanick and uh, Julio Rodriguez. That being said, I don't know that he's going to make a big enough impact where I'm super interested in him. Whereas, I, I see what you're saying about Carlson. I think he has the ability to make a huge impact. I don't know what the Cardinals are going to do. Um, they were obviously, you know, obviously they, they've lost some bullpen pieces, uh, which makes them a bit shakier. I don't think that team was uh, very, you know, super well built uh, to begin with. A lot of older players, they may decide to sell if, if they start off Rocky. So uh, I could definitely see them, you know, uh, you know, limit Carlson's playing time. If, if they feel they, uh, they could get another year of service time by just not, you know, putting them out there very often. So I don't know. Honestly, I don't think I want to have either guy on my team. Fraley's the cheaper one. So he's the one to take the gamble on, I think. Um, but I, I don't think I want either on my team at this point. 
one's going in the last round of drafts or not being drafted, and the other one's going in the middle of the draft. So for sure, that I, means, I think it's that, the opportunity that that's splitting the gap for me. Yeah, I, I'm I'm totally okay with that. All right. Oh, it's uh, it's back to me. Ooh. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. How bold do we want to go here? Mm-hmm. Um. All right. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. <sighs> Alberto Mondesi is not a top five shortstop. Stop. <laughs> Just stop oh. it. Stop it. Like I like. Don't get me wrong. I see the upside. I understand why everybody wants to take him in like the top. You know, in the first round. Uh, much less top five shortstops. But. And this isn't necessarily throwing as much shade at him. Is just can, can we go over and look at the shortstops in the pool this year? It's fucking amazing. Like yep. you know, it's uh, like I have no problem. Like I, I I've been taking guys like Trey Turner and uh, Lindor in the first round. You know because I love them. But there is a reason to just go. You know what? I'm gonna wait on shortstop. It is so deep. Lindor, Turner, Story, Bregman, Tatis, Glaber Torres, Jonathan VR, Javier Baez, Mondesi, Bogart, Simeon, uh, you know, Correa, Tim Anderson, Bo Bichette. I mean, like, like the top 30 shortstops almost are usable in fantasy, like in 12 team leagues. Like, uh, so like, yeah, I mean, maybe this is me taking the field against Mondesi, but I think there's a reasonable chance he does not finish inside those top uh, five shortstops, especially because dude still does not know how to take a walk. He does not know how to take a walk. And as much as people are like, well, let's not let's not hold uh, Mike Matheny's history against him in terms of Matheny not liking to steal. What if he doesn't? Like, where is Mondesi's value if he's hitting 240 and he's not being allowed to push it on the base pass. Do I think that happens? No. Do I think it's unlikely he doesn't end up, if he's healthy, he doesn't end up as a top five shortstop? No, but we don't know how healthy he's going to be, what's going to happen that first time he jams his shoulder into a, or hand into a bag, and it hits that shoulder that's uh, surgically repaired. Uh, But yeah, uh, Mondesi, I can see the allure, and I'm not saying that when he comes around to me in the middle of the back of the second round, I'm not super tempted but the the idea that he should be going in the first round and people are pushing him in the first round, I think, is uh, uh, a bit too much volatility with your first pick. Yep, yeah, I don't have similar sentiments. I don't have him ranked inside my top five at shortstop. So, um, and then he's going a little too early for me. I am a big fan of him, and I would be tempted to take him in the third round as well. But why am I not a big fan of Jonathan VR in the fourth then? Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that doesn't 100%. that doesn't really you know make too much sense to me. So, uh, yeah, his inflation is probably going to be too much with me, especially because of the volatility and contact skills. It's just you know there's too much too much difference in um, there's his range of outcomes is just too much at the second third round right there. Yep, I have him ranked eighth in my shortstop position, and it's it's okay. a deep position. Like I could even I could even see waiting and going with Tim Anderson, hoping or even Johnny Villar, like that are going Tim Anderson. Hoping he gets 280 and still steals you, you know, eight to 10 bags and go that route. So it's such a deep position. I don't see how you could take a first round pick on such volatility with Mondesi. We just talked about guys like JD Martinez, you know, Jose Ramirez, there's Rafael, there's all these guys that can like solidify your bases and then you just roll that dice early. Maybe that's your style, but I, I can't do it. Yeah. At the beginning of the season, I was trying to tweet out that uh, Bo Bichette would finish ahead of Fernando Tatis, and this was in February and March. And now I'm starting to get to the point. 
Yeah. Now I'm starting to get to the point where, you know, Bo Bichette's the big hot take and the, the one that everyone's clamoring about. I'm like, fuck that. Give me Tim Anderson over Bo Bichette then, you know? Like, I, I like that guy just as much, man. So, yeah, good call on Tim Anderson. He he should be fine. And then the other guy, I know we're not supposed to be talking about a bunch of shortstops here, but Jorge Blanco as well. Uh, he needs to be pushed up as well. He's he's not being respected like he should be. That guy's a stud, and he's going way too late in drafts. He was drafted in the 11th round of the DC that I'm doing with Mike the Mouth, and that's too late. It's just simply too late. Especially when you've got a big part of that Twins offense. Like You, yeah. you want pieces in that Twins offense, and Polanco is like the cheapest good part of it. Yeah, everyone talks about the power in that offense. You forget the guy that sets the table, scores the run, steals the bags. He's gonna be just as valuable that late in the draft to help your team. So definitely, yeah, yeah. He, he he's having Cruz and uh, Donaldson hitting behind him. Yeah, that yep. the, there's a hundred injured runs in a in a six, 162 games you know season. So, Easy. all right, uh, yeah, love that call. Uh, all right, um, Bubba, last last one, last one. I was debating how I was gonna go about this, but I had to kind of keep keep with my brand, not my Mauricio Dubon brand, a different brand. But um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with your AL MVP. Is Jose Ramirez, and your NL MVP is Ronald Acuna Jr. That's um, Acuna has got that 2020 upside in a short season, and I'm not exaggerating. Like he legit could go 2020. But what I love about J Ram is he's basically a slightly less powerful JD Martinez, but he helps you in steals. So he could he could go 15, 15, hit you close to 300. And the top of that Indians lineup still is decent. Uh, the bottom is don't just don't look at it; it's not good. But the top five or six is okay. So Acuna, NL MVP, Ramirez, AL MVP. Love it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't think that uh, either of Not those. Super Bowl, probably. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, here's the thing. Anytime you pick a person to win an individual award and it's not like Mike Trout, it's somewhat bold because you're saying this is, I'm taking this guy versus the field of, what, 700 players, something like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think there are 900 players this year because we're starting with 30-man rosters. So, um, yeah, so I, I don't think that is not bold. Uh, but I definitely could see both happening. So, Matt, what's your next one or last one? My last one, I, I'm going to have to ask you guys a question first. Uh, both of you, can you give me your prediction as to where Yasiel Puig signs? Uh, San Francisco. Okay. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping the Giants. I I've always said Marlins makes sense just for the Cuban appeal. Okay. Now both name a team off top of your head that you haven't read about or heard about any reports where you're like, oh, okay, that would be fun if he was there. Where would be a good fit? Back to Cleveland. Okay. Beautiful. Let's put him in Toronto. Just another power. Toronto. Guy. Okay. I oh, like no, that. Actually, so, oh, well, no. Colorado. That's too easy. Put him in Coors Okay. Field. So, so my my fifth bold statement is Yasiel Puig signs with the the Anaheim Angels, and it's due to a no, numerous amount of things, the uncertainties of Mike Trout. Uh, we've had previous injuries to Shohei Otani. Brian Goodwin isn't truly established yet. They have Joe Odell kind of waiting in the wings. Um, Justin Upton has had knee injuries what else he had a, a turf toe so he's also aging they are wanting to compete they do have the talent to compete they have the money to sign him um so yasiel puig signs with the anaheim angels and finds himself nearly as an everyday player in that lineup shuffling in the outfield um while they you know do otani with the dh and the pitcher and they sit out goodwin and if mike trout's missing time 
Yasiel Puig plays with the Anaheim Angels this year and has a successful season. Makes too much sense. Yeah, if when you first said it, I was like, no, no way. This is a bad one. And the more and more you <laughs> talk, the more and more I thought about it, I was like, this Makes needs to happen. Yeah, this needs to happen. Uh, why hasn't this happened? Um, yeah. The, I, the, the city of Los Angeles loves him, too, even though the Angels don't actually play in the city of Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> semantics. Semantics. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's that's a really really good one. I like that a lot. Uh, all right, uh, oh, it's not Bubba, it's me for my oh, last, last gold prediction. Okay. Oh, all right, I've got three left on my board. Um, we already talked about Bichette uh, a little bit, so I won't go that direction. Here we go. This is bold. Garrett Richards finishes a top thirty starter. I like it. All right. Now, I, I got a little heat from Paul when I ranked him as high as I did, and I definitely am going to move him down before my next update, before my main event next week, uh, if I decide to still do the main event next week. Um, but he, here's the rationale. He signed that two-year contract going into last season, knowing that this was the year all that money was for, because he was coming off of Tommy John. Uh, yes, he, he struggled last year, but lots of guys struggle in their first outings back. Uh, from Tommy John, the Padres are going to push him. They need to push him. Like I said before, they've got a lot of pressure uh, to win in San Diego, uh, and they do not care if that arm falls off. And if he can just last like 70 innings for them uh, through starts, he's always been good when he pitches. Like it, it's not a matter of skills; it's a matter of staying on the field. Uh, I really think that. Uh, Garrett Rich is going to rack up strikeouts, good defense behind him. Yeah, I, I like Garrett Richards a lot, and he's going way too low in drafts. Where do you have him in your rankings right now? I believe, Last time I heard you in Sport Talk, you said that he was in your top 60, 50? Oh, yep. no, I had him, I think, in my top 40. Um, let me – oh, no, 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 top 50. He was 47, um, and I'm probably going to drop him down in just inside, you know, or just outside the top 50. But, you know, that's still saying a lot for a guy who, you know, what, pitched, I think, eight innings last year or something like that. So I, I, I like him a lot. You know, the price on him is, you know, astronomically low. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so he, he's I, my boy. I have, I have him at 57. Yeah. So I don't, I don't hate it at all. Like I, like, I agree with everything is why wouldn't they use every last bullet in his arm Why they have these other young pitchers? On a short season, why not? Like I, I, I get everything you said. It makes too much sense, and the upside, the strikeout upside, especially at that point in the draft, tremendous. Yeah, yeah. Not enough people are mentioning the fact that the first year of that contract was literally just to get a discount and get him healthy and build up that strength. So they have nothing to lose with him. We don't know if you know. We don't know AJ Preller's situation after this season. We don't know if they're gonna go in a different direction and. It, the, they're in win now mode, man. The Padres have the talent. They've they've got the skills. So I like it, man. I, I I like Garrett Richards. And that's not something that I usually say with this type of this type of pitcher, you know, in the NFBC main event. Um, but I would be willing to take a risk on him as well. I mean, really all he has to do is repeat his two thousand eighteen season, which was seventy six innings of a uh three six six ERA, ten strikeouts per nine. And he's a top 30 pitcher for the season. Yep. 
and you, know. you can get him as like and he's like your sixth or seventh pitcher you draft, which is crazy. Cur- currently going at pick two sixty one since <laughs> May first. Yeah, that's that's pretty darn awesome. Yeah. So, all right, that's gonna wrap up our bold predictions uh, part of the uh, the program. Let's let's do some listener questions uh, because. Uh, yeah, pe- people uh, sent them in, and um, you know, like I said, a lot of them the same. Uh, we're, we're from the same people, but uh, that is, uh, uh, you know, okay. Um, we're gonna start off with the most important question, obviously, which comes from at Mrs. D. Salinger, uh, and she asked, "Why do you hate me?" So, Baba, answer that question. Why do you hate her? Oh, uh, we love her. We love her with everything about us. Uh, I'm pretty sure I can. I- I'm just gonna speak for Matt here. I'm pretty sure we all love her. But I, I know that question was not directed towards us. And um, if people could see the video right now, we could tell who this is directed towards. So um, I, I think I think the floor is yours, Justin. No, no, no. Let, let's let me talk. Yeah, yeah, let's let me. <laughs> no. Thanks, Bubba. He wrapped it up. Go ahead, Mason. Get on your soapbox. Yeah, for 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 those who uh, don't uh, don't know that that's my wife trolling me on Twitter. So, uh, but if you follow on Twitter, you you can't help but love her uh, and uh, people. Uh, Often wonder how I landed her, and I still don't know. I'm assuming it was a lot of alcohol. I'm pretty Danielle sure that's the queen of Twitter. Hi, Danielle. Miss you, and look forward to seeing you uh, next February. <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, let's go to um, one of the 45 questions that Dave asked uh, at Run DMC on Twitter. Uh, great new podcast uh, that he's doing, so give that a shout out. Um, oh, what's it called? It's uh, Rotosaurus, Rotosaurus. Is, is the name of the website, but the podcast is uh, High Stakes Heat. So uh, they're only like, I think, two or three episodes in. Definitely go check that out, especially if you're playing uh, in NFBC. Uh, both uh, uh, Dave and Jake, uh, who do that pod, uh, are, are accomplished high stakes players and uh, are... are uh, uh, doing a good job uh, with a new podcast, so I uh, definitely want to give them a shout-out. He asks, what are the odds that you, Darvish, ends up the number one overall starting pitcher this year, Matt? Who was that? You, Darvish. You, Darvish. Uh, I, I like you, Darvish. I don't have my pitching projections done. I'm waiting for that Major League schedule to come out tomorrow. I actually plan on doing a... Um, a huge schedule for each team and each rotation. And I'm going to try and map it out almost like it would be a DFS. And I'm going to have a somewhat of a look at the 10 to 12 starts that each starter is going to have throughout the season. Because I think that, you know, those home road splits and the parks that they play in now with the NLDH is going to be heavily weighted. So I do not have my pitching projections done, but I am high on you, Darvish. I have them in the same tier as the Giolito paddock, Castillo, Barrios, Corbin, you name it, um, those guys. But I, I could see him being the number one overall starting pitcher. That doesn't that doesn't shock me. But real quick, can I mention that um, everyone that on Twitter that's bound, pounding their drum on I like Mike Clevenger, Mike Clevenger over Shane Bieber, and they think that they're spitting out hot takes. It's not hot. Mike Clevenger, and I haven't done my projections. Mike Clevenger yeah. is my number one ranked overall starting pitcher. That's ahead of Verlander, wow. whoever else. So. 
if you're not saying that he's up there, then just stop talking about Mike Clevenger. We all like him. We all love him. We're all enamored with him. Hey, I'm right um, here. You could talk to me. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just at him while you're. You know. Yeah. <laughs> just, I've seen it. I've seen it a lot of places. They're like, well, I like I like Mike Clevenger more than Shane Bieber, and it's like, well, no shit. Everybody outside Dave likes Clevenger over Bieber, but it's like, who do you you know where are you really putting Clevenger? So. Um, yeah, you Darvish. Yes, he could definitely finish the number one starting pitcher in my mind, at least. I, uh, I buy into the corrections that Darvish made in the second half of last season. All right. Well, I have Clevenger sixth, so that's where I have him, but uh, I have Darvish 10th, so I can definitely buy into him being a top end starter. I'm not going to go super, super deep. Uh, Maddie hit on most of it, but, uh, it, it's a big hill to climb. There's some elite talent in front of him, but would I be shocked? No. Yeah. I, uh, I ranked Darvish 17th. Um, but that, I don't think that's thrown shade at him at all. And I definitely think he could finish as the top starter in fantasy, uh, in 2020. I mean, just look at his second half numbers, you know, 81 and two thirds, 276, uh, ERA 118 strikeouts in those 81 and two thirds innings. I mean, yeah, if he's right. Yeah, like he's probably one of the best pitchers in baseball. It's just a, a matter of do you believe that he is going to continue with those second half uh, adjustments and and you know and be the guy? Uh, I tend to think he will, and so maybe I am a little too low on my ranks. Maybe I should punch him up, but I also think there's guys with maybe a little bit safer floors uh, that are going ahead of him. As far as Clevenger, I'm right there with you, Matt. I got him ranked fourth. Um, and he's definitely one of those guys that I could see taking, you know, in that second round, if I'm looking to take a starter, I just, for the most part have been taking, uh, hitters in the second round. It's the, it's the Tito, Tito announcing that he's already got these guys stretched out to six cookie cookie was even saying that he stretched out to six mm-hmm. and the dude was battling, you know, cancer last year. So yeah, that shocked me on, and the guys, you know, so that I've kind of downgraded a little bit with the Cole and DeGrom due to the New York news of an innings limit or a pitch count for the first two starts, which could be, you know, that's a grain of salt. We can't, you know, take any of that as gospel right now. But I am, you know, looking at that. And then with Verlander, I have him above those guys. But he had a little bit of, you know, an injury scare. So I, I don't know, man. Clevenger just, it seems like this is it. He's just going to get unleashed. He goes and does his, you know, 11 to 12 starts and all hell breaks loose and you know we're all rocking on the mound like sunshine this winter yeah uh do you see pushing a pitching uh more as a more viable strategy or punting pitching as a more viable strategy considering the 20 game sample and that's from our boy dusty wagner at wagner one three four five four i'm pushing guys Bye, dusty. Uh, personally, I, I'm not pushing them up crazy, but I guess for me, for a guy that usually does not take pitching, I'm pushing them up. I just did a mock draft with pitcher list and a bunch of guys the other day, and I kind of went like every other round. I wanted to make sure I had at least two top-end starters, if not three. I'm talking like top 20 type guys. I want that stable base to, for a short season, and then I'll take my chances elsewhere. I used to take much more risk later in drafts. Like, look at my bar froster. It's littered with guys later in the draft, which is fine. But uh, I'm, I'm trying to get a good, solid base going into it. I'm not forcing any picks, but if you're like on the back end of round one, you can get one of the guys on the one-two turn possibly, and then another guy on like the three-four. You can get a nice, solid little go at it there. I will not be investing uh, heavily in starting pitchers, and I normally don't. Um, I'm going to have four main event teams, and on three of those, I'll likely draft my first closer in front of a starting pitcher. But I will hedge with my fourth main event team, and I will 
weigh pitchers a little bit more than I'm normally going to do. So just to have somewhat of a hedge. So with one of my teams, I will, you know, step my toes into the water with whoever I can get in the second or third round. And then, but for the most part, those three, those three main event teams will be uh, heavily targeted with draft capital in hitting and uh, closers. And then I do want some stability, obviously, if I can get that, you know, in the middle rounds. And then I'm going to be targeting Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, Dustin May, those types of guys that I think could come in as a follower and piggyback a starter and open up in the fourth inning or fifth inning and go into the sixth or seventh. And those guys can provide high strikeout rates, elite ratios. They're in line uh, for the win if the team's ahead. So I think that that's the direction that I'm going to be going this year when it comes to uh, investing in pitching. I'm going to be pushing up the starters that I consider are like top 25 to top 30. And yeah. then I'm pushing down the ones that are outside of that. And so for me, there is like a big gap between where I'm going to be willing to take those top 25, top 30 starters and the guys that I'm not willing to take there. So, uh, you know, and, and, you know, kind of bore out in the, uh, the, the main event qualifier that I did. And so you can go back and listen to that pod I did, uh, with Jeff Erickson, on the rotor wire with, uh, uh, Paul here on the sleeper in the bus or go watch the uh, the actual main event qualifier over on YouTube uh, Because what I did was I took Gilito and then I waited. I just loaded up on offense. I loaded up on closers uh, And because the guys that I feel comfortable that are gonna get the innings that are gonna give me elite innings I'm more than happy to take the guys that I don't feel as comfortable I'm just I'm just gonna wait like I'm totally fine loading up the back, you know, half of my staff with guys like Homer Bailey, with guys like Wade Miley, with, you know, with these boring veteran inning inner types that may not be flashy, but are going to get run out there for five, six, seven innings, uh, even in the shortened season. And the, the guys that are flashy, the, uh, the Lizardos, uh, you know, are guys that I don't, I don't want to deal with, uh, the A's saying, Hey, we're, we're you're going to do four and then we're going to move to the bullpen. Like, that's just scary to invest the type of draft capital in those kind of guys that you have to to get them and then find out you're never going to get a win from them. Like, that is going to murder you in a Roto League. So th that's kind of my pitching strategy right now. And I've been toying with the idea of taking an elite starter or two early and then just filling it in with a bunch of long men. You know, yeah. filling it in with a bunch of the the Yarborough guys, <clears throat> the Yosemira Petits of the world, those guys that are never going to start but might do three or four innings in long relief, especially because there are going to be more guys doing that on teams and trying to get sneak wins that way. Um, I don't know if it's a viable strategy or not, but it's definitely something I'm toying with. Well, that's the cool part about this season is there's so many different ways to go about it, and none of us know what's right right now because there's really so many things that could take place. We, we all could be right in a little bit of that and all be wrong at the same time, so it's crazy. For sure. Do uh, extra drafts and hedge, hedge, hedge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think a lot of people are going to be doing that. But yeah. uh, they're definitely, if you're listening to a fantasy baseball podcast right now, I assume you're going to be doing some drafts uh, because that's what we're talking about at least for the next month. All right, definitely. let's see. Uh, another one from Dave. Uh, Maddie, explain why you are not concerned the Dodgers will actually limit their starters in the first two times through the rotation, it, or at least Kershaw and Bueller. So we had this discussion on Twitter, and initially I was, 
you know, standing on top of my soapbox screaming that Clayton Kershaw is going to do what he wants to do. Um, but Dave Roberts has came out and has spoken about having those guys go four innings the first two times through the rotation. However, it was, we expect that. And that wasn't a thing that was set in stone with them. And now that David Price is gone, they have, you know, one missing piece from their chessboard and that's going to push everybody up a spot. So I'm not sure even with their, with their depth that they have the luxury to just kind of piece these you know, games together right away, especially when Kershaw and Bueller, um, they get themselves built up. I know that Bueller commented saying that he's a slow starter, but it wasn't in regards to uh, the amount of innings or his pitch count initially in a season. He just doesn't feel like he gets off to a fantastic start statistically. And so also I don't like to factor in the, they're only going to pitch X amount of innings. I would rather bake in, they have this amount of pitch count because what happens if he goes out and has two innings and his pitch counts at 25 or 20, you're not going to yank Kershaw at 45 pitches. If he's through four innings, I'm I guarantee Dave Roberts will not pull him after 45 pitches. So, um, it's, it's kind of just taken with a grain of salt. I I do have confidence in Bueller and Kershaw, but I'm not really going to be investing in those types of guys anyway. So I'm not the one to be you know, backing them or saying, well, you should be investing them and you should invest high draft capital in Kershaw and Bueller because they're going to go deep from the beginning because there certainly is a, a, a possibility that they do get yanked in the fifth inning, um, depending on pitch count and if they're high stress situations. But they do open the season uh, against the Giants is what I'm hearing, that they're going to have two national games that opening night. So if that series is against the Giants, do you really think Bueller and Kershaw are going to struggle out of the gate with their first start there against the San Francisco Giants? So I, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about those first two starts. If you're high on Bueller and you're high on Kershaw, maybe you ding them a little bit because of potentially not going six innings uh, their first two times through the rotation. But uh, I would have uh, the utmost confidence in both of those guys this season. Bob, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with that. One thing I talked with Nick Pollock about the other day was, you know, some teams are, are more inclined to do this, but majority of teams can't baby all five starters. There's going to be at least one or two guys that just have to go. I know there's expanded rosters, but you can only – limit so many without completely taxing your bullpen. So that's going to be very, very comp- uh, complicated for certain teams to do. So I think the elite one or two options in every rotation should be going five or six out the gate. Like you mentioned earlier, the, the Indians are already uh, ramped up to five or six innings as it is. There's rumors out of Reds camp that Trevor Bauer might go every fourth day to help limit the other guys the other days. There's going to be different philosophies everywhere. I just don't see how Every team uh, can limit everybody, especially a guy like Kershaw at his age. Get everything you got out of him now. Don't waste it. And and Maddie also made another good point. Let's not talk innings as much as pitches because you could throw seven innings at 80 pitches, and if they're not stressful pitches, the guy can easily still go two more innings. But if he throws 80 pitches in three innings and they're high stress, you might want to get rid of them like, for the game. So there's ways to go about it. I think that's uh, another angle to look at. May, may I say one more thing real quick before you chime in, Mason? Of course. Um, so so the Dodgers are going to, and I would not be shocked, with Stripling, May, Urias, Wood, uh, Gonsolin, Jimmy Nelson, right? So they have all those pieces in place to piggyback each other and to have the opener and to have those guys go three to four innings max. But if you are going to piece two of those together in each game, 
there's still not a pe- enough pieces for Bueller and Kershaw to have someone piggyback. I mean, exactly. if they're going to want, they're going to baby people. Yes. There's no doubt about that, but they can't baby everyone, man. And, and, yeah. and if you saw Clayton Kershaw's first interview after uh, throwing a bullpen session the other day, the fucking dude looks demonic, man. He looks like he's on another mission. I've never seen him act like this outside of postseason um, interviews when he, you know, got rocked in the sixth inning or something like that. His demeanor in that interview the other day was like, whoa, uh, he's he's on another on another planet right now. It, it, he just seems um, to be ready to go. So confident in both. Dave. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not worried about that. And if you're worried about it before, you should be less worried about it now that David Price has opted out for the season. They're going to need that as well. Yeah. yeah, guys to take over for that. Uh, and that, that's a huge bummer for me because I think I took him in like the eighth round of that. Uh, he Prince was one of those it was like one of those SP3s we all had circled. Oh, uh, I just I just took him in a draft, and two days later he he opts out. Dodgers but keep burning you, don't they? They really do. And like I've got Dodgers ranked super high this year, which really hurts me from just a well, fan well, standpoint. Mason, Mason, they burn us till we turn around and look at three trophies in the last like twelve years or that, whatever. Yeah, ten that, years. That's true. So we yeah. we'll always have those to hold on to and, and cry ourselves to sleep with. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think I'm not worried. I, I'm shoot. I have Walker Bueller as my number one pitcher, so like that is like not a issue for me at all, especially with him. Uh, and I love Kershaw this year. I I really struggled to to put him in my top ten uh, starting pitchers. I haven't been able to do it yet, but I can see a lot of reasons to do it. I have Kershaw number eight for me. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I totally get that. Uh, all right. Uh, how much does Carter Keboom jump up your ranks uh, now that he has been pretty much given the uh, green light as the everyday third baseman in Washington? Matt, I was about to say, go ahead, Bubba, because Bubba was uh, <laughs> all excited yesterday on uh, on Twitter about Carter Keboom. But I, I'm excited as well. The playing time was a big a big deal in projections and. The lineup, I think, is one of the best, and he has the skill set to pr- uh, produce in every category. So, uh, yeah, he's got to move up a little bit. There's got to be confidence in that, and it's just all about where is he going to hit in that lineup. I'm assuming that he's going to hit in the lower part of that, but I'm not going to bake in uh, you know, his bad start to the major league season that he had last year or anything like that. I don't look at that. Mike Trout started off shitty, too. So, um yeah, I like Carter Keyboom. I don't think I'm as high as Bubba, so I'm gonna let the I'm gonna pass the baton off to Bubba and let him preach. Well, I'm very excited about. Let's let's clarify. I'm very excited about Carter Keyboom. Shortstop's such a deep position. I still have him ranked like uh, just outside the top twenty, like at twenty third right now. He's still there's still so many guys he's got to cross over. And one big factor is you mentioned he's probably hitting at the bottom of that order in Washington, and that's getting a shortened season. That's a lot of at bats. That is a big chunk of at bats. So that part stinks. He's going to gain third base eligibility, which will be nice because now he can play corner. We've talked multi-position all the time. It's never been bigger this season. Like, it's tremendous this season. So that's going to be a big boom. Uh, he'll definitely move up my third. I haven't, I haven't never even ranked him in third base yet. I'm going to have to start looking into that. And then that's where I'd, I'd move him up for sure. He'd be around that Scott Kingery territory for me. Obviously, Kingery might be a little farther down now with what's going on. But he'd be uh, moving up the ladder for sure in that regards. Um, I think you, you mentioned a very valid point there. People point to the production last season, and you can't look at that. That was such a small sample of a top-end prospect getting moved back and forth and just a, a mess of a situation for 
uh, a talented ball player. He's proven in the minors time and time again. There's power. There's very good batting average. He's going to help you in four categories and sprinkle in some stolen bases. I think he's a tremendous asset. And and one thing I love about him is he's going super late in drafts. And so it's one of those guys you can find that's going to help you three in three, four, maybe even four and a half categories late in your draft with multi-position eligibility. So he's definitely going to be moving up my ranks. I'm a big Carter Keeboom fan. And people keep, you know, they clown on Washington because they lost Harper a couple years ago. They lost Rendon this last year. That offense is still going to be very good. A very good offense. So you can't ignore that completely. And Keeboom could have a, a big impact. Maybe even with the DH, it's going to cut back on at-bats, but you put him at ninth. Now you wrap him around with Victor Robles, Adam Meaton up top, and then you have Soto coming behind. There's a lot of run production that can be there for Keeboom. And let's not forget, while that lineup is very, very good in Washington, it's not like Twins Elite, where if he starts out hot and is really just doing the kind of things that I think we all think he can do, that they won't move him up. Is Howie Kendrick really going to stop him from hitting in the five hole if he's just raking? I don't think he is. No, you're 100% true. He could easily move up in that lineup. Yeah, I mean, Howie Kendrick, Eric Thames, Jan Gomes, those aren't guys that I'm worried about him. You know, Starlin Castro, who's projected to bat third in this lineup. Uh, like, those hey aren't. Now. Like, I love Starlin Castro this yeah, year. We all love Starlin. This is Starlin Castro. <laughs> like, is okay. he really the thing that stops Carter Keeboom from batting at the top of that order if he's just raking? I, I don't think it is. Are, are you guys. Are you guys. Um... In belief that Robles leads off, Eaton goes second, Turner third, Soto fourth? I wish Robles lead it off. I wanted him to lead off last year. The talent is so good. Uh, he should be leading off, or at least batting second. Him and Eaton, I don't care how it factors up front. They need to both be right there. Robles at the bottom depressed me, but I think he moves up, and now Keyboom takes the back end, and they play that game. That's what I see happening. Yeah. I like third. I don't think he does. I mean, we're talking about a guy who uh, is likely like a 6% walk uh, guy. Um, I don't know that he's going to move up into the top, the leadoff spot. Uh, that being said, the fact that the DH coming to the National League is great for those guys like Howie Kendrick that are going to get you know more plate appearances because they don't have to worry about hit, uh, you know hitting the pitcher. That being said, guys also that like Victor Robles that tend to bat, you know, seventh, eighth, but still have really great skills are no longer going to have the pitcher hitting behind him. Like that, that's a big, that's a big deal in terms of bumping up, you know, some of those runs scored and, uh, you know, uh, and I think that will be a good thing for Robles. I mean, Robles is one of the few guys, I think six guys were projected by Steamer to steal double-digit bases, and Robles is one of those guys. So I don't care where he's batting. I mean, prefer to bat at the top, because like I said, I think it's going to be really important to get those extra plate appearances, but uh, I, I don't care where he's batting. He's I want him on my team. All right, let's see. I think I've got one or two more questions. Um... From uh, Mike Warner, uh, uh, Mike Warner FWFB. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, where do you, where does Pablo Sandoval right now rank in the best shape of his life debate? He's in the best shape of his DH life, and I respect every bit about it. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, just Google Pablo Sandoval. Uh, looking a little hefty, but you know what? Dude's made his money. Dude's won his rings. 
Uh, you know, he plays uh, the best when he's big. He does. He actually plays decent. The Giants aren't <laughs> looking to count on him for anything except for you know maybe a good clubhouse presence and uh, you know a few at bats uh, a week. So uh, you know people need to stop shaming Pablo. Dude, dude, uh, dude has done his due in, in his career. Yeah, because I'm not sure at all. People ran with my tweet yesterday, and I just took a picture from Andrew Bagley. If people knew me, they'd understand I have no room to tell people that they shouldn't be small. So I was just having fun with it, and people ran. It's hilarious. There's no shaming coming from this department. (laughs) All right. Um, Ooh, interesting tweet that just got sent to me. Uh, Let's see. 29 race players seen on the field. Meadows, Martinez, Chirinos. Uh, Glassnow and Rowe are players who have continued to not being seen on the field. Does that scare Beautiful. you guys at all? Because I just drafted Otto Austin Meadows in that league. Don't draft till later, folks. Don't draft till later. Yeah, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have a podcast come out uh, shortly after the NFBC's first main event, and I'm very intrigued to see what that board looks like and to talk about it. So until then, I'm staying away from anything high stakes, and I plan on doing all of my main events probably up, up to that last week, just simply because of opt outs and the health relations with COVID, and you know, just uncertainties of. Uh, pitching roles that which I think is going to be one of the biggest factors this year is is pitching roles so yeah it's a concern but just draft later yeah I'm I've I have been scheduled in that first main event for quite a while since they since they set those main events up I'm pretty sure like within the first 20 minutes I signed up for main events uh, two main events and and I put myself in the first and the last one uh, for, for, you know, I, one, I, I, I wanted to draft where there was an ADP cause I felt like maybe guys wouldn't be snaking all the guys that I love, uh, as much, but the more and more I think about it, the more and more I think I may decide to move out of that first one for, for the, that very reason. It's just, it's going to be huge bummer if you draft, um, I don't know, Mike Clevenger in the second round and he opts out or gets COVID like that's, yeah, that's. Go we got to work on having you regress back to the mean on things. Your range of outcomes is so extreme. I'm doing the first main event and the last. It's like, always with you, Mason. It's never like, well, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check things out, and then maybe I might get my feet wet. And no, nope, he likes to I'm live on the, the edge. First one and the last one. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's. I just thought that was more fun. You know, if I, if I was doing four main events, I'd probably just sprinkle them all uh, throughout. But I mean. The last two days have just been kind of a shit show in terms of players, you know, opting out, players, you know, being announced that they've been diagnosed with COVID and are on the COVID IL. And it's just, now it's just becoming more and more scary. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to wrap us up for, uh, for this episode. I, I really appreciate uh, both of you guys joining. Bubba, why don't you take a minute, tell people where you reach on social media, and then plug everything you do because you do a lot. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be on the Sleeper on the Bust and chat with you guys as always. I am on Twitter at BD Entrick, E-N-T-R-E-K, and that is not my last name, Dentrick, by the way, just so you guys know. Um, so you can find me on Twitter there. I do work at rotoballer.com, writing, and eventually we're going to do some video work and stuff once we have baseball to do. But I have the Bench for Bubba podcast. That's my, uh, my, my, my baby. Just hit episode 300. I've had uh, Mr. Mason on there a few times. I'm waiting to have Mr. Davis on there as well. And then I have a daily podcast for MLB DFS. I have PGA stuff, all kinds of goodies. 
But uh, check me out on Twitter. I tweet too much, and I tweet all the information you need right there. There you go. Uh, Matt, why don't you go ahead and tell people where you breached uh, and what you do, because you just uh, started a new gig. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter, at Mattywood, with an underscore on both ends. And I'm going to be working with FTN Network, and I'm super excited to be part of that team. I'll be covering MLB and NFL, and that's uh, for season-long fantasy, DFS, and betting. Uh, but the FTN website has a plethora of talented individuals and analysts and experts in every single field, and they'll be covering any sport ranging from League of Legends to PGA, hockey, NFL, and in between. Um, and then those experts are broken down into betting experts, DFS experts, and season-long experts. So it's going to be something new. It's really exciting. And we just announced yesterday that the website will be launching on July 7th. So stay tuned on Twitter and make sure to check us out because we're going to be making some new waves in the industry. It's a pretty amazing roster of talent that you guys have gathered. And, and there's still other people that have yet to be announced. So uh, it's just going to keep getting better and better. I'm really, really intrigued by uh, what you guys have going over there. Little disappointed that I was not given any sort of offer. I mean, I probably yeah, would have you said no. Both, yeah. Both. I, I, it feels I, like the athletic. Everyone got a job but us. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, I, I likely would have said no because I'm not going to leave Paul or the sleeper in the bus. To, you know, this is, uh, this is my home. But, you know, it'd be nice to be asked to the dance. You know, so, but whatever. You can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason, FWFB. Uh, you can always email me, justinmasonfantasy uh, at gmail.com, especially if you have questions for Paul and I. Uh, always follow him, uh, forward him over. Uh, join the Sleeper in the Bust uh, Facebook group uh, where we have, I think, like 1,500, 2,000 people discussing fantasy uh, baseball all year round. Uh, but yeah, that will do it for us, uh, for Matt and myself. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season.